0: Hello, and welcome to Digitizing B2B, the B2B e-commerce podcast. My name is Brandon Kin, and I'll be today's host. In today's exciting podcast, we'll be speaking with Brian Beck, e-commerce expert, advisor, and author, as he shares his tips on building winning B2B e-commerce strategies. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. Very excited for today's podcast, as I'm here with Brian Beck. For those of you that may not know Brian, Brian has had deep experience in e-commerce through his executive positions at companies like Harbor Freight Tools and Pacific Sunware. He's also working on his book titled Road to a Billion Dollar B2B E-commerce Company. And I also know that he works as an advisor to both B2B and B2C industry leaders and helps develop comprehensive e-commerce strategies. Thanks for coming on today, Brian.
1: Yeah, Brandon, I'm excited to be here. So thanks uh, so much for having
0: me, um, Brian. I'd love to understand. I think e-commerce is is relatively something new that's grown in the past five to ten years. I'd love to hear how you got started in the e-commerce space.
1: Oh sure, yeah. I've been well. I, I've been in e-commerce, um, oh, gosh, two decades now, Brandon. It's uh, <laughs> I guess it just makes me old. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I started in e-commerce, gosh, back in 1999. I was was working for AT&T of all places and you know in their corporate strategy group and we were we were just starting to try some things on the internet you know AT&T at the time had the infrastructure that powered um at the time you know the fastest internet there was which wasn't very fast
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, you know we were looking at doing things like delivering music and products over inside these you know kind of walled gardens right these closed internet um dial-up services but it was uh, so yeah I got into it you know relatively early in my career and have been in it the, you know, all, all these years. And now it's just so exciting to see how far it's come. And then also what, uh, you know, what the implications it now has for traditional B2B selling. So manufacturers, distributors, brands looking to go direct to buyers and, and also use e-commerce across their selling channels. And so I'm, I'm super excited to have been in this business for so long and, and now apply some of those uh, learnings to, um, to other categories of business.
0: Awesome. And I mentioned and I alluded to before that that you do help work uh, with both B2B and B2C companies that are looking to go online. So I think you offer a really interesting perspective to this topic. You've written several articles on similarities between B2B and B2C buyer expectations. And really, at the end of the day, we know that B2B buyers are influenced by everyday shopping experiences that they see on Amazon, eBay, or any other traditional e-commerce website. I'd love to understand your perspective on how B2B buyers have evolved over time, and what are the expectations of B2B buyers when yeah. they are looking to purchase online?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I talk about this, so yeah, I'm, as you mentioned, I spend a lot of time publishing on this topic. In fact, I have a I have a whole book coming up about mm-hmm. B2B e-commerce called Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. And if you put a .com at the end of that, you get the website, billion-dollar B2B e-commerce. And um, anyway, yeah, so I have a whole chapter about that exact topic, which is, you know, B2B buyers now have the same expectations of their online experiences as they do as consumers shopping their personal lives. And so as you have more and more digital natives coming into the workforce, meaning younger people who've grown up, you know, using the web, using mobile phones in their daily lives, those expectations are are now translated to their B2B buying behaviors, and that's what's really exciting about about where B2B is today, is that you know these traditional buying patterns and, and workflows and things can now be accommodated through best practices we've learned on the B2C side, and bringing those to life really can be transformational for the business. But what it means is the B2B buyer today has has no attention span. <laughs> They're just like consumers, right? I mean, we're we're down to I think something like eight seconds, or it might be less than that now, to capture the attention and engage uh, a buyer. And that and that's true of the consumer, but it's then also true of the business buyer coming to your website looking to transact or receive customer support that sort of thing. So it means that the same site experiences need to be delivered by B2B sellers. Things like site search when someone's searching for a product on your site, navigation when someone's navigating through the, the website, you know, intuitive paths to find what you're looking for, great product images like photos and videos and things like that, good description, multiple forms of payment and checkout. All of these things are now expectations of the B2B buyer and they need to be delivered. And it's amazing to me how many companies still um, aren't delivering that. I think it's something like. Fifty percent, or actually over fifty percent, of manufacturers, for example, don't yet have e-commerce capabilities, but their buyers are expecting them, and they're expecting them in a, them in a way that is reflective of, you know, what they do every day in, on Amazon, for example. So it's really, uh, I mean, there's so much to to learn from B2C for B2B. The great part is a lot of it has already been, you know, established best practices, you know, and 20 years of learning by retailers and brands selling to consumers. Make sense?
0: Absolutely. No, and I think um, anytime you you take the way that business has been done traditionally, which has been kind of the handshake model, once you introduced e-commerce, which is fundamentally a a new way of doing, I think there's always going to be a big learning curve. But with any technology you can use for, for, for automation, start improving a lot of the daily operations that you do manually today. I think um, kind of staying along this this trend of B2B and B2C e-commerce, um, I'm sure you're inundated and, and, and get asked this question all the time. There's a lot of literature and coverage around how B2B e-commerce and B2C e-commerce are really fundamentally different. So I almost would like to flip the script a little bit and start talking about where you see B2B and B2C e-commerce being similar.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the similarities come in in the way that the, the site experience needs to come to life, right? As I just you know mentioned, things like site search, things like great product information, all those things are expectations of today's buyer. I think there's also similarities in the way you can use digital marketing to drive traffic to your B2B website and, and really create a, a new markets, find new markets for your business, find new customers. I have for example a client and it's a case study in the book that sells tools one of the things they did when they launched their it was a B2C and B2B website they found all all kinds of new uh customers buying from them they were finding them through Google and these customers were actually they not their traditional B2B you know OEM type customer like Boeing and people like that it turns out that bicycle enthusiasts and and people who needed Uh, Bicycle repair shops needed metrics tools that were hard to find and this company by making their their sites available through the web were all of a sudden being found by these new buyers and today it's adding nice bits of revenue to their top line and Profitably and so they're you know that's just an example of you know some of the similarities on the marketing side too, where you can use some of the same channels like Google to drive traffic to your to your site. I'd also say that you know from a an alignment standpoint you mentioned sales um you know the sales team and kind of the um the, the traditional selling relationships you know e-commerce can also be a reinforcement to those selling channels. There's a fear that it's going to sort of replace the sales force, you know, the <laughs> like death of a salesman, but really the truth is e-commerce really enhances that selling relationship by making it easier for the buyer to make purchases uh, and faster and then taking some load off the sales force and making them more strategic. So it's really a, it's a win-win for all the selling channels, e-commerce is, uh, and, and a lot of it is because of that consumer-like expectation of the buyer. Make sense?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you, you kind of alluded and, and transitioned nicely to our next topic here of unforeseen challenges in digital transformation. Uh, so for B2B companies that have done business the traditional way, E-commerce can be considered foreign territory, as we alluded to before. I think through your experience as an advisor and, and working at companies like Harbor Freight Tools and Pacific Somewhere, I think you yeah. offer great insight. Uh, and I'm sure you've seen some common hiccups that companies across all industries have faced when starting their first digital transformation journey. I'd love to pry and pick your brain here. Can you share some war stories with us here?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, <clears throat> the war stories is <laughs> that's a, a good term for it the war stories in the consumer marketplace were fought 15 and 20 years ago when companies were just first getting into e-commerce and it's the same uh, sort of um roadblocks or you know war stories that that b2b is experiencing right now so i like to say b2b e-commerce is 10 to 15 years behind where consumer e-commerce is and and really the First and foremost, in terms of those kind of roadblocks, is lack of leadership commitment and buy-in to the concept. <clears throat> I see that as the number one reason companies don't digitally transform, and, and, it, and that in turn leads to things like lack of budget and the absence of the really the organizational you know stomach or fortitude necessary to create change. When you introduce e-commerce for the first time in a B2B company, it creates discomfort, and it's because... Some of the traditional processes need to change. Not everyone understands it or likes it, the concept, particularly the sales force, maybe the traditional marketing and other channels. And and what happens in a lot of B2B companies is that business is sort of just good enough. What I mean by that is, business is still, maybe it's flat, maybe it's growing slightly, maybe it's shrinking slightly, but business is meaning revenue is just good enough so that the organizational leadership doesn't feel like they need to really embrace this or, or take action. So there's a lack of urgency. And and that also coupled with uh, really what fear and lack of understanding of what digital is at the very top can really uh, create a momentum or a, should I say, more of a inertia that doesn't allow for change. You know, I mean, think about it. A lot of the leadership of B2B companies, you know, have been in their business or position for 25 30 or 40 years and they're looked at as an authority in their field you know they say things like hey we know what our customers need even better than our customers do (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. if you think about who the other out of the b2c world you know i I give this case study in the book too guess who else used to say that you know folks like sears right (laughs) so (laughs) and so My view is that you know, that's the number one challenge and but those that are are asking questions those leaders that are saying you know I want to know more about this and they're actually listening to their customers and Recognizing that their customer the person making the purchases is changing Because they're again becoming more of the digital native those are the companies that are going to win the ones that are listening and asking questions So I think you know first and foremost is executive leadership and buy-in and if you don't have that even if you have a digital e-commerce director or manager in the position screaming, yelling at the top of their lungs, uh, they're not going to get what they need in order to make change in the organization. And, and those companies, you know, will suffer as a result of that, they'll suffer from a slow, you know, really lack of relevance because they're making their buyers job harder to work with them. And that's critical. That's the number one reason to implement e-commerce is your buyer expects it and, and it makes their job faster and easier.
0: Yeah, and I think we can't under underplay the fact that um, change management is going to make or break the success of any project. It, getting that uh, sponsorship from the executive level, not only in terms of the budget, but in terms of the cultural change that we know will have to take into effect of automating your business is, I think, going to be more crucial. One point that I did want to add to that, Brian, is that I think you mentioned a, a funny story about essentially your salespeople saying, we know what our customers want. Yeah. Right. E- e-commerce, I think, actually um, puts it on its head in that there's just so much data surrounding an e-commerce channel that I think instead of just doing best guesses of what we think customers want, really, when it comes down to e-commerce, you have the data in front of your hands. What product pages are they visiting? Are they experiencing a, a, an OK checkout? Are they going through a, a smooth checkout and shipping workflow? These are all things that can all be tested as opposed to having a gut reaction is um, what i think is is very interesting for the e-commerce space as well.
1: Absolutely and, and platforms like Oro you know provide that kind of data you know which is is so critical and you combine that with web analytics it can be so insightful across all channels too so it's you know it's about understanding that how the customers interacting with you through your website but then some of the most advanced companies i've worked with will do things like take that data that the, what they're seeing in the website and how the customer is interacting with the website, what they put in the cart, what they view, where they go in terms of download of content, and then alert the sales force of that activity, and then let the sales force act on that information, you know, when they talk to the customer next. So the channels can work together, you know, the data and the transparency of data when you have a great e-commerce site really makes the whole selling proposition more personalized and more effective.
0: Absolutely, and so we, we talked about uh, digital transformation journey for potential first time buyers, and and we mentioned that change management is a is a crucial topic that should be discussed when when onboarding e commerce projects. I'm curious, would you say that companies looking to replatform, meaning uh, that may have already been in the e commerce business that currently have a website but are looking at new technologies, do these types of companies experience the same type of roadblocks?
1: Well, sure. I mean, sometimes. One of the challenges that I see frequently is that a company might have a platform that may not be as state-of-the-art, maybe an extension, for example, of the ERP, or Enterprise Resource Planning System, and oftentimes I see B2B companies, you know, they'll deploy something which doesn't meet consumer-like expectations for website usability, et cetera. And so the front end website in an e-commerce, uh, although it's e-commerce enabled, doesn't get much use. That make make, you know, executive leadership say, boy, this, <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> and even if the, you know, in a platforming effort that that roadblock can still exist because there's not much of a business case. that has been done the first time around, and, you know, just in terms of proving it out because the effort wasn't uh, structured for success. So absolutely I, I you know again, it's lack of leadership at the top that can hinder things, but if you have that leadership, then you're doing things like you know you've got the right kind of budget for it, you know your organizational priorities are, are there, and the organization is aligned um, and you know there's there's also a bit of fortitude that's required as you replatform uh, I've worked with some companies that you know replatforming. Um, is a multi-month effort. It's you know it can be up to a year depending on what you're what you're doing with Oro. I, I think it's probably less than that. But even through the process of replatforming, there's priorities that need to be maintained. So instead of sort of cutting budgets and things like that, you know during the process, the leadership needs to continue to stay committed. So I think I would say yes. The answer is that that roadblock can still be there, particularly if the company has a history of not implementing e-commerce in a way that is effective. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And we, we see that uh, time and time again, Brian. So um, I'm sure preaching to yeah. the choir here. Uh, <laughs> right. And um, I think since e-commerce or specifically B2B e-commerce is um, new to, to a lot of organizations, I'd love to understand who is really owning these projects at, at the company level.
1: Right. So um, a great question. And, you know, in, in B2C, it's an easy answer, right? It's, it's usually the VP of e-commerce or someone chief digital officer in b2b the the answer varies and so who owns it you know it it, it depends on the organization to some degree increasingly b2b companies are putting a senior level executive in charge of e-commerce and that person would own that however in other cases it might be the chief marketing officer or chief sales officer or someone within you know, kind of a marketing or sales role, I've had a number of clients where the e-commerce function has been built on the back of their current digital marketing and digital sort of lead generation activity, which would be you know, the content websites that many companies traditionally have in B2B. You'll see B2B sites in e-commerce operations and marketing and sales. I've also seen them in IT, believe it or not. That's kind of the exception. And it's often where a digital effort will start or germinate. I would say that's more the exception though, in the IT side, um, and again, because these days, e-commerce is really a revenue driver rather than a, a, an IT and support function. So, does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yeah, and and um, that those are the same parties that we're seeing here on our end. It's uh, <laughs> the three-headed beast yeah. of uh, IT marketing and sales, and um, going uh-huh. back to yeah. a previous point that we alluded to, if they have the direct support of a C-level executive, um, that brings the whole project together and really gives a, a project owner and a project – it gives a lot of value to the folks that are managing this project because they know that gets top-level visibility. Exactly right. And, uh, Brian, I'd be remiss if I didn't start asking you questions about Amazon as I know you have <laughs> a, a, right. uh, um, a lot of experience and, and you've consulted with a lot of businesses on how to get started or build their Amazon strategy. Is Amazon a friend or a foe for businesses to go a <laughs> way?
1: Right. Well, that's a it's a great question. And, you know, I think um, it, it, in part it depends on um, the type of business that you're in. Um, I'm a partner in a, in a company called Enceiba, E-N-C-E-I-B-A, E-N-C-E-I-B-A. Put a .com at the end. You can find the website. Um, we help manufacturers and brands determine the optimal approach for Amazon, and then we operate Programs for these companies, really as a outsourced Amazon department. So I I do a lot of the strategic work for InSiva, and um, and so yes, it is a it's a question that comes up all the time. You know, how how should I approach Amazon? And I think I'll I'll segment my answer into kind of two parts. First, if you if you're a product manufacturer or brand or even a distributor or retailer or whatever you are that has a product. And that's the core of your differentiation, meaning a physical product that is recognized by the buyer in the marketplace as being your product, and your product is what differentiates you. I believe Amazon is a selling channel that you ought to take advantage of. Because the reach, both B2B and and of course B2C, is enormous. Amazon is uh, responsible for half of US e-commerce, almost and uh, it is uh, increasingly penetrating B2B sectors. So you've got something called Amazon Business, which has grown from nothing four years ago to 10 billion in revenue, as, as reported late last year by Amazon. There's real brand presence you can build there. There's real transactional volume. I work with clients that are generating over $20 million a year in Amazon revenue, and it's growing at 40 or 50%. From a product standpoint, amazon is a real real viable selling channel. You have to look at things like what they're doing with private label and how they're launching their own products but ultimately if you're um, if you're a manufacturer if you make a product and that's what differentiates you, you ought to be on amazon that's my opinion uh, in most cases if you are a um, a distributor or a retailer, the story's a little different because First and foremost, you have to really understand why your customer buys from you and what you bring to the market. Amazon really is something that's setting the expectation for your buyer, whether, again, B2B or B2C, for what it means to you know shop online. And so for your own website, you can learn a lot from Amazon. And so I generally recommend for retailers, resellers, distributors is that they go and they have a presence on Amazon to understand what Amazon's doing, to perhaps generate some incremental revenue, to be present on the place where most product searches are now starting in the United States. And so it's a place that I think everyone needs to be in in some way, but I think the case for resellers, distributors is less, um, maybe less all in. And so for example, I have clients that launch a portion of their product assortment on Amazon and they might even Create either create a private label line for it, or create a separate line, a product line for the for the platform. Or if they have private label products already, they might launch those. So, you know, the question of um, whether you should sell or not on Amazon, I think, is highly dependent on your business model and how you differentiate in the market. I will tell you that if if you're if you're differentiating only on price and selection, you know that's what Amazon does really well. They have almost 600 million products on the website. So Mr. Bezos' vision of being the everything store has really really come true. So, It's, it's really incredible what they've built there.
0: And I know, Brian, you mentioned um, that you were just writing a book called The Road to a Billion Dollar B2B E-Commerce Company, um, which <laughs> is set to, to come out later this year. Uh, in this book, I believe you share personal insights on how to develop B2B E-Commerce strategies and successfully grow an E-Commerce operation. I'd love to ask what? insights you'd be able to share and give businesses that are looking to grow their company via e-commerce?
1: Yeah, well, um, the first insight is read the book.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's oh, it's a, that. <laughs> a little self, shameless self-promotion there, Brandon. Um, the, um, well, you know, the book is, it's coming out this year, it's not out yet, but it's it covers really every aspect of launching a successful B2B operation. I'm, I talk about everything from you know, the leadership required, the organizational structures that are required, managing channel conflict, building out and using a, you know, great e-commerce platform, uh, um, you know, like Oro, um, how to select the right platform, uh, what you do with, uh, how do you take advantage of marketing? How do you take advantage of Amazon step by step? You know, there's a whole, whole variety of very clear things in there. It's a, you know, it's a 12 chapter, 250 page book. Um, but, th- so things you want to think about, you know, some tactical things, you know, and so some of this, you know, I co- all of this I cover in the book, you know, people, right? People is the number one thing to think about. And do you have the right skills to launch e-commerce in your organization? You know, giving the, the reins of the of a new e-commerce operation to, you know, your 22-year-old nephew because he or she knows how to write some computer code is not the answer. <laughs> you want to bring in people, right, that have... That have real e-commerce experience. I mean, it's it's amazing to me, you know, how many um companies will really not underestimate the value of that. And, you know, e commerce skill and experience is not cheap. If you're gonna hire someone with ten plus years of e commerce experience, if you're a B2B company, they're they're gonna be over a hundred thousand dollars easily across the country. I'm not just talking about on the coasts. It could be double that on the coast. But you've gotta you've gotta really be thinking about what your Uh, You know, what your people are, are they capable? And and number one is getting someone, a leader in place, and think about hiring out of B2C, not just B2B, right? So think about someone with some consumer experience because they understand the best practices. I think two is uh, really to think about is platform, and do you have the right technology structure and infrastructure to to build out e-commerce? I also recommend that people really take the time to select the right platform create requirements um, and objectives of your e-commerce business, and put customers at the center of all of that, and that's often overlooked as well. Um, So I think those are two areas I would suggest, people and platform, and then uh, related to platform would be things like product data, right? Making sure you've got the right product information together, the right descriptions and attributes and, and photos and things like that. That's often also underestimated. In, in doing this, so I covered all those things in the book and and, and a bunch of other things too you know things like uh, channel conflict management and uh, you know building a good uh, marketing plan so there's a lot of uh, a lot of aspects that cover different buckets of needs you have when you launch e commerce but I think people is the number one thing you got to think about when you approach this
0: yeah and I think Brian, you also cover um... Different types of, of B two B e commerce companies, right? I think um, you're covering it at all different angles, from manufacturers to distributors to retailers, to maybe even B two C companies that are looking to go online for for yeah. B two B e commerce as well.
1: Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I do I do cover all you know sort of all the different business models, and so you'll find as you read the book that there's um, applicability to all different types of businesses. The commonality is, you know, selling to businesses, right? So using e-commerce to sell to other businesses—that's the core.
0: Well, I know uh, Brian, with your with with all the time that you're spending on your book as well as uh, your business in Seba, uh, really appreciate the time that you can take to to get on today's podcast. Uh, before we end our our show, any final thoughts that you'd like to share uh, for our listeners that are looking to embark on B two B e-commerce?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing, uh, you know, that the really th- think about is um and reflect on is don't be afraid to act right yeah, i i have a bunch of case studies in the book where the leadership of the organization didn't know exactly what they needed to do uh, and you know were you know weren't digital natives these were you know folks who were you know older and further in their careers and they uh, but they acted they knew they needed to do something and so they took a step forward that's really leadership number 1 i think don't be afraid to act take a step forward, contact me or whoever, you know, folks who, who have some experience in e-commerce to help you along the way, but you've got to act. And and it's just, there's just too much inertia in the B2B world, but those who are moving are, are seeing just tremendous ROI from their efforts and sustaining their businesses. And I think number two is don't underestimate the talent you need to make e-commerce uh, happen. So you really need to start with a single experienced leader or advisor to get you started. So those are two you know, kind of key things I think people should be thinking about as they're starting up
0: e-commerce. Brian, I think these are really great tips when you when you consider B2B e-commerce strategies. So, so thank you for joining. And, Brian, for, for the listeners that want to uh, maybe ask you questions or uh, may want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, they can um, – so a couple things. They can email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at – you can use my NCBA email, Brian, at NCba E-N, CEIBA.com, Brian at NCBA.com. They can also, um, if they're interested in the book, um, you can go right to the book website, which again is www.billiondollarb2becommerce.com. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Billiondollarb2becommerce.com. And you can register for notification of the book release and learn more about it there. So there's two, two good ways. And then look me up on LinkedIn too. Just Brian Beck, e-commerce, and uh, you'll find me in the LinkedIn bar and just uh, it'd be great. Uh, you know, love to, love to connect with you there. So
0: awesome. I know everyone's trying to be that billion, do- the next billion dollar B2B e-commerce business. So uh, <laughs> right. appreciate your time, Brian. And um, um, thank you for hopping on today.
1: No problem, Brandon. Thank you. I enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast to get updates on oral commerce and access to the latest episodes. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Oro commerce. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.